0: We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, and it starts with an interesting phrase. I want to jump right into the, the, uh, the phrase that it starts with. Peter says the end is at hand, and, and Peter's then going to tell us a bunch of things that we should do because the end is at hand. And I, I think of the end is at hand, and, I, and I've been in a, in, a, in a study project for a while now. And it's it's nearing completion. I'm almost done, and it reminded me of previous experiences in life, and some that all of you can experience. You were in school, and uh, then you went to high school, and then a few years later, the end was at hand. You were almost done. It was almost over, or maybe you knew. No, it's not over. It's just starting. There's still college. But after a few more years, four or, well, some of you were on the uh, eight or ten year plan. But uh, somewhere along the line then, even that finished and it was done. It was over. The end was at hand. Graduation was near, right? And uh, the funny thing about graduation, the parents, normally dads out of high school or college, dads are normally the ones to bring this up. And they say, no, 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 this isn't the end. This is the beginning. You've been in school all this time. I've been paying tuition all this time. And now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? Peter has been spending a lot of time in this letter, strengthening us, reminding us of something, setting our perspective, maybe fine-tuning it somewhat we've assumed because god is good and and life's a mess that god is going to help us and make it better and things should turn out pretty good if i'm walking with the lord and if i'm trusting him that he's going to take care of me he's going to put bubble wrap about me and uh, nothing is going to touch me and yet our experience doesn't bear that out stuff touches us it isn't always good and Peter has been calibrating, fine-tuning, adjusting our perspective to realize that we're not home yet, that, that we're in the midst of a hostility. We're in the midst of a, of a hostile environment, that we are, we are outcasts and, and uh, we are chosen strangers. That we are temporary residents here and the, the, the more that we follow Christ we realize as, as the world does not we don't always mesh together and fit together. We're not home yet. But the end is at hand. And sometimes when we think as Christians about the end being at hand we think about it finally being over. Done. Whew, glad that's over with. And yet really it's pointing toward a beginning. When Peter says the end is at hand, he's talking about the culmination. He's talking about the goal. What we have been longing for, hungering for, anticipating, it's almost here. You know, it's interesting. Speaking of the troubles of life, Peter opens and closes his book with the same kinds of words. You run across it first in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. He says... In in our hope in God, we rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. A little while. And then, go all the way to the end of the book in chapter 5 and about verse 10, and he says the same thing. Speaking of sufferings, also being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world and after you have suffered for a little while. The God of all grace, who has called you by his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you after you have suffered for a little while. One of the the high school students this morning, I got to uh, uh, teach the high school class again because Pastor Ryan's off skating somewhere at a middle school retreat or something at Camp Tadmore having fun. But we had fun this morning. One of the high school students, he... he, um, he, he, he described life as this little short thing. He said this little thing as compared to all of eternity being a very long thing. You see? And we were, we were made for more than this. And what we were made for, this eternity of knowing God and being in relationship with God, that eternity that we were made for, all the times when you feel like, it feels like life should be more than this, should be better than this, you're absolutely right. You're agreeing with God. It is supposed to be better than this, and it will be. It will be far more than this. And that's almost here. It's almost here. We have just got a little while. We have just got a little time because the end is at hand. But the question that we talked about in that high school class as well, we need to talk about here, is in that little time, in that little bit, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? The, you see, Peter hasn't spent a whole lot of time giving us explicit instructions on things that we should do. Oh, there's been practical bits along the way, certainly. How do we live out a hope in God in, in the midst of work, in the midst of marriage, in the midst of life, uh, even politically? How, how does this play? But he, he he gives us a short set of directions, one, two, three, four. In this passage just before us this morning, First Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11, four things he tells us to do in the meantime with this little bit that we've got left. If we're almost there, if we're almost home, if the end is almost upon us, if glory is about to break through, what am I going to do about it with the bit of time that we've got? And that's what Peter addresses in these verses. What are you going to do about it? It sounds like confrontational, doesn't it? You you can see somebody up in your face. What are you going to do about it? And I would ask you somewhat, somewhat in your face, if you believe this, if you believe God's promise for the present and the future, brothers, sisters, in Jesus, what, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Peter tells us what to do about it. Let me read um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-11. through 11. You can follow along in your Bible. Your uh, digital uh, uh, pew Bible will be on page 1016. But follow along with me as I read, because I want you to see these words on the page. There's something about seeing it there and hearing it. That um, just it's, it's not just Pastor Bob making stuff up as we go here. This is what God has said to us this morning. From verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 4. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Lord, would you speak to us this morning? Lord, the, the, the passage is, is brief. The press, passage is practical. So, Lord, would you speak to us this morning in the various corners of our life? Lord, what would we do about your great promise? What would we do with the truth of the gospel that you have given us? Lord, where should that be used in our life for the sake of another? Lord, don't let us leave here just hearing and even merely being encouraged. Lord, show us this morning what it is that each one of us should do about it. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, he says, stay awake and pray. He says, because the end is near, because we're running out of time, because it's almost gone, the the hourglass is running low, because of that, be self-controlled and sober-minded be be clear-headed and sober-minded watch out for yourselves watch yourselves mind yourself be be intentional about what you do tighten up our thinking because of prayer or for the sake of your prayers it seems to suggest that that um the the um the way that we think and and uh, the, the the carelessness maybe in life also will bleed into even carelessness in our spiritual life and our in our present relationship with God, which is lived out in prayer. That if this is true, and if time is running out, how are we praying? And even our prayers can be the those kind of prayers that I describe describe like a bubble wrap prayer. Lord, protect me from this. Lord, keep me from that. Lord, put some protection around me so that I I don't have any of those things that are out there, those sharp, pointy things getting me and poking me or breaking me when our prayers maybe ought to be somewhat different. Lord, how would you use me? there's just a little bit of time and there's people around me that I care about that I'm I'm concerned for lord how would you lord would you give me an opening father would you open your, their ears would you help them to hear father would you use this time and use me in it to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers Clear-minded is often with awake or watchful to see things as they really are. What really matters, to to exercise self-restraint in order to pray more effectively? Will I exercise self-restraint and discipline even in the fact that I will pray? I'm given a given a list. I get a list printed out. When people share prayer requests here at the church, if it's, if it's an email, I'll print that out, or if it's the list from the white cards that you're going to be using this, this morning that came in the bulletin, if you share a prayer request there, then I print those out together so I can take that list, and it helps me to be a little more intentional about how I pray for our church. Because the things that you share are also things that are similar for others in the body as well. And I know a particular need, but it also reminds me of the kinds of needs that are part of our church family that we need to pray for. To be intentional, self-restrained in order to pray more effectively, to pray for the kinds of things that God has his eye on. You know one of the things I like about using psalms to pray, or to use, the, um, use some of the prayers in the New Testament to guide my praying, because it, it helps me to pray better. It helps me pray for the things that are on God's mind. Something I discovered in the prophets. Sometimes the prophets were discouraged. I've been studying and writing a lot about the prophets recently, and Jeremiah has got classic for this. They call Jeremiah the weeping prophet because sometimes he is so broken. And in his prayer, and sometimes he expresses this great frustration to God. And yet in the midst of his prayers, you keep hearing these phrases from the psalm leaking out. And I think what has happened is, I don't think Jeremiah is necessarily quoting psalms in his prayer. I think just the psalms and other parts of God's word are so a part of this man that when he opens up his heart and prays, some of the truth and the hope of God's word leaks out. And so that also turns his heart and puts his mind's focus back on the promises of God kind of brings him back out of that hole that he seems to have fallen into in his prayer. He prays openly, and in that discipline of prayer, of not withdrawing, but crying out to God in the midst of his despair, and God answers that even in the midst of his prayer. But his prayer is focused, and thus more effectively, his prayer leaks out that truth of God's word. If we will stay awake and pray. We will be disciplined and careful. We will forego things. We'll say no to that because that's not actually going to be helpful to me. I'm going to guard myself in order that I may be useful in the time left. I'm going to guard myself so that I I can more effectively pray. And yet, you know what will happen as you do that? We don't live in isolation. We are not often a monastery. We we do not live in islands to ourselves. No, we bump around other people and we come here and we're gathered together with brothers and sisters in Christ and somebody near you will not be as self-controlled and watchful. Somebody else might be a little careless and they'll let you down. They will disappoint you or they will not keep their end of what it was you were trying to do together. And the thing begins to unravel on you. It's one thing to be responsible and mindful for myself. But what about my brother? What about my sister? What about the people I'm trying to walk with? He says, stay awake and pray. Be self-controlled and sober-minded. I can do that for me. I can't do that for somebody else. I can't be self-controlled for my brother. They can't be sober-minded for me. But above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Now, I want to suggest to you that this loving one another speaks to within the body of Christ when pressure is applied from outside in the midst of difficult times, we'll need to be careful about continuing to intentionally love one another. Because those pressures will could cause us to break apart internally. Uh, I just watched uh, the... Avengers movie, I don't forget what the newer one is called, Ultron, something about Ultron. Some of you have seen that movie, just watched it out on, on, uh, of Redbox last night, and uh, one of the things that stuck in my mind about the movie is how the, uh, the foe that they're trying to, trying to defeat, a key aspect of his plan is to divide the Avengers, to cause them to be thinking selfishly and to not trust one another to break up this band of superheroes so that they don't cooperate together because they'll fall individually. That's sort of the strategy strategy that unfolds in the movie, and that strategy unfolds by our enemy in the midst of the church as well. People around you, if you're you're called to be self-controlled and and clear-minded, and yet there's going to be times when your brother or your sister, somebody you're counting on, somebody near to you is not, and they're going to disappoint you, and what are you going to do? You're going to love one another Earnestly. And I think that's exactly what it's talking about because it goes on because the reason sins, love covers a multitude of sins. Keep love fervent for one another implies there's danger of that love waning. Perhaps there's discouragement or distraction. But the following phrase also suggests the reason that that love could wane. We might give up on one another because they've let us down in the midst of their own being distracted or drawn aside into some temptation or sin. They were not as self controlled, they were not as clear minded. And they failed and they've let you down in the process. And yet, love one another earnestly. The church is not a place where we would shoot our own wounded. The church is a place where we would care for one another we would seek to restore one another gently, looking to ourselves lest we also be tempted, Paul says in Galatians 6. Love one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. That sounds a lot like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's not to be misused as enabling. Oh, whatever you do, it doesn't really matter. I still love you. No, because I love you, it does matter. It does matter. But because I love you, I'm not going to kick you to the curb. I'm not going to toss you aside. You are not disposable. I am not disposable because we love one another. Because of who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us, we will forgive one another even as God in Christ has forgiven us. Okay? This is a restorative verse it anticipates there will be disappointment we will let one another down we will at times disappoint one another and in the midst of that we will love one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins love covering has that idea of forgiveness it does not have the idea of enabling it does not have the idea of ignoring or just just hiding under the carpet one of the men in, in, in our Money Morning Bible study, he put it this way. He says, it sounds like what you're saying, that sometimes there are consequences to our sin. And we don't hide from sin, even in its consequences. Sometimes God is so merciful and spares us from the consequences that would normally come out of our sin. And sometimes those consequences are, are played out for our own learning and perhaps for the sake of others to learn from as well. He said, it sounds like you might be saying in the midst of somebody's sin, it might be you might be saying you'll go to jail, and yet I'll visit you there. Now, the jail, he meant that. I'm pretty sure he meant that in the figurative sense. I don't think that we're going to see any of those men in that group incarcerated soon. But, but in that sense that you're, you, you will be visited with the consequences. We're not going to hide sin and pretend that it didn't happen. But we're going to go through this together. We're going to be there because that's what our Lord has done for us. In fact, he bore it for us. And he doesn't stand across the room and say, you know, when you get your act together, when you get your stuff cleaned, cleaned up, come on over here with me. No, he stands he stands over with you and he says, yeah, I see all this stuff that's in the way. I say, oh, but we're going we're to walk through this together. That's what our Lord has done for us and that's what we will do for one another. Love one another earnestly, even in the midst of disappointment because love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't enable them. It doesn't excuse them, but it does forgive them. Now, that doesn't mean, for instance... You just give a, a card blanche, and I'm just going to, oh yeah, you know, we just pretend that never happened. No, maybe there's an easily besetting sin and you're not going to pretend it never happened. You're going to learn from that and say, I'm not going to put my brother and my sister in that position again that they could be tempted and fall again. We're going to guard them from that. It doesn't pretend it never happened. It doesn't excuse. It doesn't enable, but it does forgive and it does restore and it does reconcile. Stay awake and pray. Love one another earnestly. You know, this this world is like a dirty, muddy path. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking in my mind, I went poetic for a moment. I saw in the fall... Maybe it was because I was outside earlier late, and I had to rake leaves and pick up twigs, and so this was in my mind. But I thought of a dirty, muddy path in the fall, and it's rained, and it's muddy, and it gets all in our shoes and on our pants, and and the leaves have died and fallen, and twigs are broken, and it's a mess. And yet, soon, the snow will fall. And the snow will cover up all of that dirty, fallen brokenness with a pure blanket of white, like forgiveness. And after that, spring will come again. And in the midst of that spring, as the snow withdraws, and and this happens just like this in the most idealistic, poetic setting, that even as the snow begins to melt away, these beautiful green shoots of new growth pop up out of what was lost and broken and fallen. But that is what the Lord does in your life and mine and theirs. And so we'll love one another earnestly. We'll forgive. We'll allow love to cover a multitude of sins because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him like I believed in him like Craig Groeschel, we heard, believed in him. Like somebody who picks up that Gideon Bible and reads that and believes in Jesus as the one who also died for them. And they're forgiven. Their sins are made white as snow. And out of a fallen life, new growth in the image of God begins to grow. Stay awake and pray. Keep loving one another. Love is for those that you know. But not only. It's also for those that you don't know yet. Because the next thing he says is to be friendly and welcoming. To show hospitality. Now that word hospitality, it means a lover of strangers it means to show love to people you don't yet know or it means it refers to it could refer to in a society it could refer to those who are aliens those who don't belong they're they're not they didn't grow up here they're different from us and yet we're going to show kindness to them so that loving of strangers that loving of others that loving of people not like me you know like high schoolers that's why you're going to have them over to your house for progressive dinner, and it's going to be like locusts, and we know that, but we want them to come anyway. Sure, it's time to clean out the cupboards anyway. That's all right, but we want them to come. In fact, there's, there's I think, two homes in the Salmon Creek, Hazeldell side, and we need a third one over on that side uh, to, to have a nice uh, circle of houses three right there. So, so uh, s- sign up for that. It's a, it's a great time to... But that's showing hospitality to somebody that you don't know. And, we, and we'll practice that in the church. Take somebody out to lunch. If not this week, you already got plans. The crockpot's already on, I know. We'll make a plan this week for next week. But do it not with people that you know and already go out, to, out with, but do it with somebody that you don't know. Hey, I've seen you here. and Let's do lunch. If not this week, next. Let's just get to know one another. Let's do that in the church. That's one more way that you can show hospitality. And if if the person you thought was a visitor had actually been there 10 years, that's okay. Still, for you, this is a new friendship, a a new relationship starting. Stay awake and pray. Keep loving one another. Be friendly and welcoming. But you might say, but I don't have the... Gift of hospitality. And that's a spiritual gifts thing, isn't it? I don't know that I have the gift of hospitality. You can be kind. You can be kind. It doesn't say those with a gift of hospitality. It's just like it only those who have the gift of evangelism are supposed to evangelize. Paul told Timothy, and I take it, he told me, do the work of an evangelist, even if you're not an evangelist. We still have a gospel to tell. We still have hospitality to show. Whether it's our gifting or whether it's not, and yet some things are your gifting, and Peter addresses that too. There is something that God has given you to do, and I express it that way for a reason. Do what God has given you to do, because God has given each one of us as believers in Christ, God has shaped us a certain way, God has gifted us in certain ways that we would be used by him in the body and in this world. God has shaped us and he's done it differently. And this is a time when we could launch into a whole categorizing of all kinds of different spiritual gifts. Aren't you glad I'm not going to do that this morning? I could ask you this morning, what is your spiritual gift? And you say, well, I'm not sure. And I said, that's okay. That's all right. Just go do it. You don't even have to know what it is to do it. Did you know that? Peter is not so concerned, and I don't think it's a huge deal that we categorize and catalog our spiritual gifts, because every list of such gifts within the New Testament is different. The point being made in each and every time is that there are varieties of, there are differences. We have been made by God different to live out who God has made us toward others for their good, not for our own, and for the good of the body of Christ as a whole. I will talk about uh, our overall shape. And by shape, I mean, this is an acronym, shape, S-H-A-P-E, okay? Shape, what do I mean by that? S, spiritual gifts. H refers to my heart or passion. One of the questions I ask people when they're wondering, well, I'm not sure what my gift is, I'm not sure where I should serve. Well, what, what are you convinced of? Is most important in a church? When you're looking for a church, what is most important? What must be in a church? And if I ask that question now, we would have a bunch of different answers. So I'm not going to ask. I'm not asking you. Just think about it, okay? Don't shout out. But with all of those different answers, your passion, your heart probably aligns with how God has made and gifted you. So jump in there. If I would ask it another way, if I would if I were to ask concerning our church because now you're here, I'm not asking you to go church hunting. Now you're here, what do we as a church really need to be doing? What's really important that needs to be happening here? Your answer individually to that question is probably where or in the area, in the neighborhood of where you need to be involved. God has given you a heart, God has given you a passion. And our role as a church and the leadership of the church, pastors and elders, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry that God has given you and shaped you for. Spiritual gifts, heart, aptitude. Probably God has not gifted you for something that he's not equipped you to be able to do. I'm not saying this is a natural aptitude, but it's something you have an ability to do now. What abilities do you have? Could it be that God has given you abilities? I, I, um... I, I felt the Lord's call into missions, but I wasn't sure where to go with that because I wasn't a teacher, I wasn't an evangelist, and I wasn't a doctor, and I thought, well, that's missions, and I don't know where else in missions we would fit, and we went to a conference one year, Julie and I, and, and they were talking about this thing called missionary radio. You said, I was in the Air Force in electronics. I was actually pretty good at this whole electronics thing. I was teaching at the Air Force Electronics College at that time, and this was something I was good at, and I enjoyed And I found out that that skill could be used in giving out the word of God. God would use abilities that he had given me and he had caused me to be good at he would use that in the ministry of His Word. Personality, and then uh, uh, finally even experiences. Example, Sarah Ross, right now, uh, it's, our, it's our Sunday morning, so it's her Sunday night. Tomorrow morning she's going to wake up, and she's going to go in, she's going to begin to do bookkeeping, accounting work for the Coles ministry among refugees, refugees coming from Syria into Jordan, across the border there in the Middle East. She's using skills and abilities and experience God has given her for the ministry of the gospel. And doing that for the next month. So pray for Sarah. If you have her email, send her a note. Encourage her. I'll be praying for her in the midst of that. One of the men in our body is involved in, in he, he, he's leading this long term planning and, uh, th- that'll help our deacons to manage even shorter term needs and fixes and how we care for the property that we have because we think longer term what do we also need to be planning for and doing things in the short term they're going to fit in with a longer term well that's something that his, in his whole vocational experience he was doing those kinds of things he knows how to interface with with county or city or state agencies and organizations in order to get the right information and the right answers, he knows what's going to be expected because he's done that before, and now he's able to use that to strengthen and serve our whole church body. Abilities and skills and experiences that you have. Peter does catalog, but he catalogs it very simply. And I love this. I use this during our time in Transworld Radio. Peter takes this whole notion of spiritual gifts. God has fit you to serve in a particular way, and that's what you need to be doing. And he's, he's broken it down very nicely. He says, as each has received a gift, in verse 10, use it to serve one another. They're not for you. They're not for yourself. They're not for our own edification. Spiritual giftings are for the benefit of others. Okay? Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied or manifold or many-faceted giftings. There's a diversity of gifts, but one spirit who gives them. There's all kinds of different giftings. And yet how God has equipped you, that's where you need to be serving. So the thing that you should be doing is not the thing that I should be doing. And the thing that I'm doing is not the thing that you should be doing. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for that? Well, I'm good with it too. The service would be much longer if all of us were going to do the thing that I'm doing. But as each one As good stewards of God's varied grace. Verse 11, whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength God supplies. You see what God does? Or or, or rather, God through Peter defines it into two categories there are speaking gifts, and there are serving gifts. Those are the two categories. Now, Peter, or rather, Paul breaks down the list in a couple different places, like Romans 12, uh, Ephesians 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. He breaks down that list other ways, but Peter keeps it very simple. There are speaking gifts that would certainly include preaching, teaching, evangelism. That would include sharing your testimony. That would include encouraging one another. That would include praying for somebody and with somebody. Anything that you do with your mouth and with your voice, those are speaking giftings. It doesn't just include the preacher. Whoever speaks, though, with our encouragement and with our counsel, with our advice, with your exhortation or your challenge or your provoking and calling somebody to keep going or to come a little farther, all of that speaking gift that God would use you to speak his words. Realize that when you exercise a speaking gifting, encouragement, that you are speaking words for God here. Do it in dependence on Him that I'm speaking for God. I need to know something of the mind of God. And those of you who serve with the strength that God supplies, say, I don't know if I could do that. No, you probably can't, but that's okay. Don't worry. God can do it through you. If he's put it into your heart, if he's put it on your plate, he has something for you to do. He's going to use you beyond your expected even ability to pull this off. Somebody else could probably do that better. Maybe so, but God doesn't want them to do it because he wants the glory. And when, he see, when it's done through you, everybody's going to know there's no way. <laughs> there's no way he could have done that. That's right. And God will be glorified. Look what God was able to do with somebody like me. It's amazing. That's our gracious God. Let him show himself off a little bit through you. That's what Peter's suggesting here. Let God show himself off a little bit through you. He doesn't ask ask for your expertise so much as he asks for your your willingness. He doesn't ask so much for our own ability as he asks for our availability. Whoever speaks as the oracles of God, God, imagine it, God would speak through you. Whoever serves with the power that God supplies, imagine it. God would do his work through our feeble efforts. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. All that God has given us, we're supposed to, to, to put it into use. Now i I stopped in the golden airs this last week, the golden airs Ministry our seniors ministry on wednesdays I, I stop in there every week because they have lunch okay I stopped in before lunchtime, and they were still they were having their packing party they they something about a hundred we, we there were a hundred and seven of these of these Christmas shoeboxes packed this, this last Wednesday, and I think they have like 130 or so total going out, something like that. But but uh, I, I I just wandered over; I just wanted to see what was happening, what what God was doing through them. You see, I'm keeping myself a little distant here. What God is doing through them? I wasn't helping or anything. In fact, one of the dear sweet ladies called me on it. I'm standing there, you know, just kind of observing and watching all this going on. You know, what she says to me, she says, "Don't just stand there." Take your hands out of your pockets and get to work. What a good word that I told her. So I said, okay, if I use that on Sunday, that is a great line because that's what God is telling us. The time is at hand. Our, our goal is near. So don't you stand there. Get your hands out of your pockets and get to work. How am I going to do that? Well, there is a white card in your bulletin this morning. And we've changed it. We do this now and again just to keep you watchful, like the text said. You know, stay alert. Be watching. And as you watch, you notice, hey, it's different. And on the back side, we put a couple of, we we put something new. One of the things I would like to see added to our directory. And so we changed our membership application as well, which is a cheap, shameless plug for the membership application. You need to get one of those if you don't have one. But uh, we added on there, tell us something about your interest, your hobbies, vocational skills or experience. Something more about you that would be common ground with others. Because people will ask me, do we have somebody that does this or that in the church? Because if it's something they need to hire somebody for, they'd rather bless somebody within the church than just somebody they don't know. And maybe there's a shared area of interest that people who serve together in some enterprise within the church or from the church that involves shared experiences or skills. You could be the next one to go do bookkeeping in Jordan. Okay, now nobody's going to put bookkeeping on the uh, hobbies and interests or skills. But, but, so, but just in the, it's another way for us to connect together with people who have similar experiences or interests. And we want to be connected together. So, so take some time this morning, even though maybe you never fill out one of these because you gave us one eight years ago and there's, nothing's changed since. But, but fill it out this morning and tell us something about that. all right? And then there's a list there of some opportunities to minister and serve in the church. And don't forget to share something about prayer. We're going to have to sing a couple of songs in order to give you time to do all that. But I want you to use this this morning. We're going to receive the offering in just a moment. But as we receive the offering this morning, I want to say two things about it. First of all, if you're visiting this morning, realize, please, that the offering is for the members and the regular attenders who are just about to become members here in the church. That's, that's who the offering is for. If you're visiting this morning, we want this service to be our blessing and our gift. We want this to be our hospitality to you. Don't feel like when the offering comes by, you need to put something in. Or you can put this in. We'd love to communicate if there's a way that we can pray for you or serve you. We'd love to know that. So you can use this white card for that. But uh, the other thing I want us to do this morning is I want us as a church, I want us to use this offering to remember that we offer ourselves. That we are going to stay awake and pray. We are going to keep loving one another. We are going to be friendly and welcoming, but even more, we are going to do the thing that God has given us to do. And so, the, when we receive the offering this morning, when we give to God, we we want to be reminded that we give ourselves to God, certainly for the good of this body, but also for the good of this city, this place, this community that God has set us in as a church together and individually. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be used by you. Lord, we want that to be true. We want it to be true, Lord, in the little ways individually, in the ways that we show hospitality, in the ways that we extend love and care and forgiveness and restoration to one another. We want it to be true, Lord, in the way that we serve together, in the way that we serve others. Lord, we want to be used by you. Lord, we present ourselves to you this morning. We offer, Father, in this offering, not only that which we prepared to give and to share for the ministry of the gospel this morning, and not only what later will also be received for the, for the Gideon ministry in that offering that we will take at the close of the service. Father, these are what we give of ourselves to you. But Lord, also this morning, we again renew in our mind that giving of ourselves to you. For the Savior who gave himself for us to deliver us, to give us new life, eternal life. Oh, Lord, if he gave his life for us, then we who now live should live for the one who died for us. That's what we renew in our own mind and heart this morning. Lord, use us for your glory, each in individual ways. Do it together for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all who agree said, Amen.